skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pro's covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair. So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sierra. And hey, Head and Heart Workers. This is... Oh, you're all here. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Didn't see you there. (laughs) So this is the next edition of our Head and Heart Work Conversations. Um, It is an interview with my two dear friends and colleagues in the writing world, um, Alicia Wise and um, her husband, Matthew Cuban Hernandez. And... I was so thrilled to be have the opportunity to talk to Alicia and Matthew, not just because I'm like genuine like fans of them and they're my friends. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's know, always nice. Yeah, it's fun. Um, but also because I, I ever since we started this podcast, I kind of have um, looked to partnerships in my life that I know that I can learn something from because like we all know relationships um, are work. They they 
they require something from us, depending on where we are in life, you know, um, vulnerability takes work, you know, and um, Alicia and Matthew have been together for a long time. And they're like one of my only like married friends other than like you and Spencer. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And so I wanted to talk to them about like, you know, what? I wanted to learn what I could learn from them about their partnership, about their vulnerability, their connection and the work that they put into their relationship. And yep. on top of that, um, Matthew lost his mother um, unexpectedly in the midst of their relationship. And I have seen that unfold for him personally. You know, the toll grief has taken on him and also their relationship, how their relationship has been challenged, how they navigated loss, grief, mm-hmm. on, ongoing grief. And that's something that our listeners have definitely asked about before in letters or DMs. Um, I know they've asked you specifically. And I really want to talk to them, especially because partnership and um, intimacy and relationships so often we forget that they go hand in hand with things like loss, you know, mm-hmm. like when we picture like the perfect <laughs> relationship, you know, and you get married and everything goes well. Well, that also goes hand in hand with everything that goes wrong in life, you know, (laughs) and navigating those ups and downs um, is a huge, is a huge on-taking in relationships. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I really enjoyed talking with them about their experiences with um, Matthew losing his mom and um, having gone through that, right. Having lost my dad, um, almost three years ago, which is wild, Wild. uh, is there's something that sparks like an immediate sort of kinship with someone who has also lost a parent at a young age. Like there's just like a connection that happens, um, because grief and particularly the grief of a parent can be really isolating, especially like, you know, in your early thirties, right? Right. Like most people have parents who are still alive, like not everyone. So like, don't get me wrong on that, but um, it can be really isolating because like your, your, your group of people doesn't know it as intimately as you do. So it was like being able to talk to him about his experience was like just so affirming in such different ways because it's just like, Oh yes. Okay. This thing that I'm feeling isn't, isn't just me, right? Like other people have experienced this too. And also talking to Alicia about her experience supporting Matthew through his grief is like was also really affirming to having gone through like both of those things, right? right? The loss of my dad and then the loss of Peter's mom, like very close to each other. Um, just like the the unique experiences that they're both going through. And that was like, <laughs> like if anyone takes anything out of the conversation, I took a lot of like yeah, support yeah. and love It'll out of it. Sam. So, like, Sam did it. Yeah, right? like, <laughs> like, I don't know if you all will find connection to it. I'm sure that you will. But like, for me, it was just, it was so, um, nice is such a weird way to describe no, it. Because, like, they're really nice people. They're just like, wonderful, and, warm people. For sure. But we like talked about like awful things that have happened to us, but it was so nice yeah. to be like, oh, yes. Oh my God. Like this experience isn't exactly the same, but but I see you in it and I feel seen by you in it because like you can understand it in the way that, that other people might not be able to. So, um, I just really appreciated that conversation and, and I just have a lot of love for them. They seem like such great people and it was really fun to talk to them. Well, they're also both, um, really talented spoken word poets, which is where we are colleagues in the literary world. And, um, what you just said, you know, about how 
what an affirming conversation it was even talking about these heavy things reminds me about why they do the work that they do in the first place, which you'll hear more about in the interview, which is that, you know, people need to hear um, people want to have their stories affirmed, whether they share them themselves or they hear them in the stories of others. That's like the core of human connection. Um, And, you know, in this world of like false connectivity, I think it's so powerful to remember what it feels like to have a really intimate, honest, vulnerable conversation with people that you respect and have shared experiences with. Um, Mm. So with that in mind, we really truly hope you enjoy this interview with Alicia Wise and Matthew Cuban Hernandez. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week on Head and Heartwork Conversations, we're talking to Matthew Cuban Hernandez and Alicia Wise. Alicia Wise is the Director of Program Development of Street Poets, Inc., She is the co-founder of Spoken Lit, a performance and writing masterclass in Los Angeles and the host and co-coach of the Poetry Lounge's National Poetry Team, a spoken word poetry event in Los Angeles. Alicia's pronouns are she, her. Matthew, whose pronouns are he, him, is the director of probation programming for Street Poets, Inc. He is also the co-founder of Spoken Lit and the co-coach of the Poetry Lounge as well. And they're both married. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to each other to be clear yeah. to each other to each other <laughs> <laughs> Two random married people, and we're going to interview them about not being married to each other. Just kidding. Not only they're married, but they are my friends and my longtime colleagues in the spoken word world pre just breakup era. Um, and I am so, 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 so excited to have them here today. Uh, I'm excited to interview them, particularly. Um, I'm excited to interview my friends. Like that's obviously like fun, (laughs) but I'm particularly excited to interview them as a married partnership, um, as a colleague and as a friend of yours, I love witnessing your relationship, your growth, your happiness, because I particularly know what kind of work that takes, you know, and commitment and, um, vulnerability. So thanks for being here. Thanks for showing up for a vulnerable conversation. And, mm. uh, yeah, I'm just thrilled to have you both here today. Uh, the honor is all ours. It's so, so dope <laughs> to uh, spend, spend some time with y'all. This is, uh, this is dope. Heck yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, first, uh, let's tell our listeners a little about yourselves, um, creatively and professionally. The work that you do is really amazing and I'd love for them to learn more about that. You Not go it. first. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Damn. I said that. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So about me creative pers- personally and professionally, um, I, uh, as you, as you heard, I, I work with, uh, street poets, Inc. Um, and, uh, other various organizations around Los Angeles and around the country, uh, teaching poetry. I, I mainly, uh, teach poetry as a act of healing as a, as a healing craft, um, more than like slammy or entertainment-y. I, I really think there's a lot of like in-depth healing that can be done with it. Uh, that's very mm-hmm. much so like tied into the nature world, tied into indigenous practices, but that's a longer story. I'm also like a video game <laughs> enthusiast. I'm a rapper <laughs> and a storyteller. And, um, 
Yeah, and 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 a person who has a difficult time gushing about themselves. But that <laughs> is me in a nutshell. And go. You're an actor. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're like you're so many amazing things. I'm a decent just, chef. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm. I, we'll, we'll work on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, I think. Wow, this is a difficult question. So overall, I think always what's been at the core of what I do has been like giving back and creating space, which can be very broad. But like ever since I was very little, I was like, oh, I want to be a nurse or a doctor. And I just want to like travel the world and give back. So here I am, not a nurse or a doctor, but I guess um, I'm going to say something really cheesy, healing in a sense, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, as a poet, I still get to travel the world doing poetry. And I love creating space for people to feel good about themselves, feel safe, feel like the world is worth it. Um, so um, I'm, the, I'm also the founder of a, a, a group, a safe space um, called Black Women Necessary, where Black women can show up and just be themselves. Um, we love just having homies and creating like impromptu events at the crib where people could just come through. And it's mostly, it is a little selfish so we can have a good time, but it's also so people can feel good. So without all the bullet points and accolades or whatever, my main thing, what I do is just wanting to wanting other people to feel good and wanting other people to be happy and doing that through my art. And then professionally, of course, I'm with street poets. It's like the first real, real full-time job I've had in my life. I've had jobs, but this one is like, (laughs) I've always felt more comfortable being an artist and being free. I love just to be able to stretch myself and freedom, but um, Street Poets is the first place where I felt like, wow, this is super aligned with what I do. So Mm. um, I'm so grateful for Street Poets and um, just the work we do for juvenile justice youth, because that hits home, um, especially being from where I'm from in Camden. Can you tell us a little bit more about that work, specifically for the folks who don't know Street Poet Inc. at home? Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I, so Street Poets Inc. Uh, Street Poets Inc. has been around for like 25 years in Los Angeles. They primarily uh, teach and work with incarcerated youth, but they do stuff in the community uh, with schools. Um, and uh, and and we also we just like literally came from a workshop that we do uh, in the middle of the desert uh, with a continuation school that comes out mm-hmm. and goes hiking with wolves. Um, for like the first hour. And then we write about like our experiences with like nature and wolves. But um, that sounds so much- awesome to me, but that is straight up Sam's nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> camping. I don't do it. I don't Can't, do camping. He doesn't really understand like sleeping on the ground. So, yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't speak to me in any way. Why would you sleep on the ground if you have beds? I don't, no, I don't get it. I hear that to a large extent. I get it. But the wolves make it cooler. The wolves, yeah, the wolves are pretty cool. If the yeah. wolves weren't there, I might not be hiking. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah. I mean, like, um, we, we mainly are like a, a organization that's like circled around just uh healing and the healing practices of writing and reading poetry uh whether that be circled around narrative therapy whether that be circled around uh indigenous teachings of initiation and other uh growth and development processes that happen going down that road but it's all tied into nature tied into nurture tied into healing that's like a big sum of what street poets does and why it aligns so much with us Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's amazing Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea of poetry as being a way to heal and a way to express the things that might be unexpressible in other ways. So that's great. You all are doing amazing work. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Uh, we asked you here because you're Sierra's friends and because you're doing all of this cool poetry stuff and because you're married. So we <laughs> were interested in in your relationship journey. How did you get to where you are now? And also specifically, why did you decide that marriage was the right choice for y'all? Mm. All right, I'll because, go first. Mm. <laughs> Okay. I also want to caveat too, like we, we try to be, Sam and I happen to be two married people, um, mm -hmm. but we get letters from listeners all over the world with all sorts of different um, relationship paths that are right for them. People, some, you know, marriage was a big choice for us, a right choice for us, but it's not the right choice for everybody. Um, so we're kind of interested in like, wh what made it your right path? which is exactly what Sam asked. I just like reiterate it. No, I love it. Great. <laughs> um, I'll be honest at first, like for many years, I wasn't that tied to marriage. I think I, I grew up for the most part. I didn't really see, um, I mean, my, my mother and my father before they broke up when I was very young, they had a healthy relationship, but I didn't really, I don't remember that. You know, I didn't really yeah. get a chance to mm. witness it. Um, but I also didn't see, any bad parts. So that's a good thing. But uh, outside of that, I didn't really have a lot of, uh, I didn't really witness a lot of healthy relationships or marriages. I didn't know. Yeah. And I didn't trust, you know, going to, I was like, why do I have to, you know, what you hear a lot of people say, why do I have to go to some courthouse? Why do I have to sign some papers to be in love? It just <laughs> didn't make sense to me. I was the type of person. And I think I still am, but especially when I was young, I questioned a lot of things. I was just like, why? What's the point? Who made up these rules? I just wanted to be in love, you know? Um, again, mm. back to that, just wanted to be a very free person. Mm. Um, and then to be honest, Matthew changed my perspective on a lot of things. My life switched <laughs> up in so many ways with him. Um, and one of the ways was just like, I honestly, when it came to the idea of marriage, it was just like, why not? You know? And then like, I looked up some of the benefits of being married and I was oh like, God, this is yeah. kind of beneficial. Like I'm going to be yeah. with you it's, forever it anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's a good, it's kind of a good business move. Like I'm, co I'm cool with it. And I'm also, <laughs> the ceremony was fun. It was like a party. We really yes. just party, which speaks to how untraditional we are. Like I, I know some people probably low, low key, probably judge. Cause like we didn't have very like traditional things at our, our wedding, but it was a party. Mm. And, uh, I was just like, let's just do it for the heck of it. It's fun. Yeah. It makes sense. And I'm gonna be with you anyway. So, and our family got to come together and celebrate it. And the certificate looks really cool whenever I find <laughs> it. In the, in the we have a certificate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, so too. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. You didn't see? It. I'll show you. Later. I remember signing something that was like, "Y'all aren't cousins, right?" Because we got married <laughs> in Florida, and apparently they have to put that on. I was like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Cause you legally have to let us know if you're cousins, but we can't do that this." Was on there. I was it like, does. "No, dog. Like, we're for sure not." Conveniently, related. we're interviewing two cousins. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I was like, "Look, sorry, no, 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 no I'm just kidding." <laughs> um word um yeah so why why marriage uh was the question right and and mm -hmm. what why did we work is that was that what brought us what here. bought us here yep. right now yeah man oh yeah there's more to that so <laughs> yeah there's a lot that brought us here and here you is give us like the spark a, notes you know what i'm saying here is yeah. i mean yeah i think um i don't know i think a lot of it was just like that was the river we floated down we ended mm. up here um, and I mean, some of it was also, uh, especially like us, us deciding like, Hey man, let's like make this official. I think 
obviously at least you talk about like benefits and like the whatever comes from like living in this world that uh that honestly just respects people that make that type of commitment together more than they do yeah and i mean i i i grew up like you know my parents got married when they were 18 and 19 which Mm. like as a child growing up and like seeing the stages of their relationship at times i was like i don't think this was a good idea guys i think perhaps (laughs) y'all shouldn't have gotten married as children um but you know and then i've also seen like relationships where you know, they're just like, we've lived together for like 20 years. Like we're not married. We have like an entire family together, but like technically we are and technically we're not. And I think Mm -hmm. for me at that moment, it was, it was something, it was a celebration, you know? And I think often in, in our families or just in the the cycle that we come in, we don't get to celebrate people that much, you know, especially like, um, we're both artists, but we're like the only kind of artists in our families. So it's always, it, for me, it's been like a weird thing for us to like, let's celebrate you doing something cool that we like, oh, we don't really know. Like, I guess that's yeah. cool, you know, <laughs> but this was a moment that we could celebrate and, you know, spoiler alert, getting later into the episode, you know, we got uh, engaged a little less than a year before my mother passed. Mm. And, you know, she was really excited. I'm, I'm her baby boy. And, you know, she actually like uh, picked out Alicia's wedding dress. Yes. And mm. both the rings we're wearing were rings that she basically gave us. And so um, we got married maybe a, two years after my mother passed because we were engaged for like three years. Because uh, you can take your time, people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, yep. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little note there. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I think at that moment, it was like, we, un- unknowingly, we needed that, we needed that moment of joy. We, our families, I know my family specifically yes. needed that moment mm-hmm. of celebration. Like, we had just gotten, mm. like, a real kick in the stomach. And there's all kinds of stuff that comes with that and work that comes with that. But I think the moment of like, let's saying like, let, no, let's get married. Let's just have a celebration. Like let's mm-hmm. do, we were going to, we, you know, let, we want to do the extravagant thing. Like, no, let's not, let's just, it's simple. Who we can, changed our mind last minute. It was like, no, we're not doing all this no, fancy was, stuff. Let's yeah. just go to Florida and have whoever, a party. Whoever can make it cool. If you can't make it, no stress, no nothing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my cousin rented out uh, the bar that he worked at because mm-hmm. uh, it was empty during the day. And he's like, you guys can just have it. And it was a great time. It was like, it was, it was a, it was a moment to kind of reset and, and, recalibrate our our joy in the world Mm because it felt dark for a good bit Mm -hmm. and it it feels dark at times yeah Yeah. i do want to add a very important detail i think another thing that definitely brought us here was the fact that we were long distance for like a year Mm. year and a half before we even moved here to los angeles um you know before the marriage i think that distance helped um i've had a long distance relationship before but whatever um but this one was just like a practice in like loving each other from getting to know each other from that distance and practicing that commitment of like oh i'm about to get on a greyhound or i'm about to get on a plane to go see you like i knew right there because i remember the first time i got on a greyhound he was in virginia actually um i thought he was going to be all the he was in he was from florida obviously but he was in virginia at the time and i said like, i'm about to get on a greyhound and see you i was acting real bougie i'm not lying and i was like and that that takes a lot i said so you better not play with me because if i get on this ashy greyhound right now and and i've been on plenty of greyhounds don't get me wrong but never for not that much for a, a person 
Like, you know, <laughs> you know, honestly, that stuck with me for a long time of our relationship. Like, like I was play. like, I was like, I can't mess this up. Like, she got a great out for me. Like, <laughs> this is serious. Like, this is not. This is. I don't want to make a light of this. Uh, amazing. I love that idea that you're just sort of like on this river, and like this is kind of like where it it landed you. Um. So I, as you're on that river with each other, what are some of the practices that you all use in your relationship with each other to like establish boundaries or like talk about how things are going to go together? Like, what are some of the things that you do to help make sure that you're like in alignment on some of those goals and some of those priorities as a couple? I think in a way we're still figuring that out to an extent, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I know we, I know first and foremost, we, we remember that we're friends. We remember that this is also a friendship. And a lot of times, let's say we get into like a petty argument. I'm like, if we were just friends, if we wasn't lovers, we wouldn't be getting to this argument probably the same way. <laughs> you know that? And even in a, in a heated argument, we have to step back and say, yes. how much of this is coming from the fact that we're just, we're, we're both very passionate people. So we have a lot of conversations and we try to step back a lot and just like look at each other as like the way we looked at each other initially. Like when I first even kind of was a little nervous that I was falling for Matthew. Don't ask why I'm nervous. That's another story. Or why I was, <laughs> you can ask. But anyway, <laughs> when I, like, it reminds me of that moment. I was like, he's just a really cool guy I would love to be friends with. So I always have mm-hmm. to take myself back to that. Like you are my friend first and foremost. And when it comes to my friends, I respect my friends. I want moments where I want us to have to step, what is it? Step back to step in. That's Mm -hmm, the saying. mm -hmm. And just like, you know, have real conversations. And if we need space to not take it personal. So we just have, I think as human beings, we're still trying to figure it out, but we've learned how to just give each other space when it's necessary to have healthy conversations. And, um, I don't know if anything else you want to add on as far as boundaries goes. What else? Um, she, oh, yeah, not to get upset about petty things. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Alicia also mm-hmm. lets me play as many video games as I want for <laughs> as long as I want uh, and doesn't care about how much weed so I smoke. So that's a and great those, boundary for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, right. Those two things. She was like, you really love weed and video games, do you? And I was yeah. like, work. <laughs> I think this will work out fine. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think... Um, you know, we need, we, we definitely give each other spaces. We definitely, you know, give each other time to do our own thing. Um, and, and try not to like hold grudges to those things at all. Like, I think, Mm -hmm. um, I think for, for us, like it was very much so understanding, like just clear language, like, Hey, when this happens, I feel like this and maybe that's Mm -hmm. not your intention, but it makes me feel this way. And I mean, that's not to say we don't like at least just get into our petty disagreements or things, but I think sometimes, I mean, love, love is like a magnet, right? Right. And that magnet can like, and you're in sync and you're locked in, but also sometimes like that magnet flips the other way Mm -hmm. and like, no matter what you do, that shit's just not going to connect. Right. And I think at that time, like the, the literal universe is telling you, Hey, just step away for a second. Like you're not, you're not going to connect. Like, you know, you always do. And that's what Mm -hmm. you do because you're magnets. But yeah, sometimes, you know, I've never been called a magnet. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, take it, take that step back. Like you need time for timeout sometimes. Um, and I think sometimes we get to a point where we're just like, you're not completely hearing me. I'm not completely hearing you. Let's reset for a second. And, Mm -hmm. and those have been, you know, really healthy ways to navigate through that. And then also to know like, Hey, like, you know, you might be the thing I think that I've, we've been trying to understand more lately is like, when you get really upset about something, I get really upset about it. 
And mm. I don't, you might just be like passively, like just talking sh- trash about this thing, but I'm like, <laughs> I'll get infuriated over here. And then I want to fight this thing. And like, that's not a healthy way. So I'll be like, like, you know, we just, our energies really project on each other. Sometimes I think that's been probably our, more for me. Though. I think that's been our latest thing. It's like, uh, how can, cause we're both really passionate. So it's like, like he said, when I'm angry, how can I just be angry and not? Cause when he's upset mm. or sad, I feel all of that too. So I think we both have that and that's been our latest thing. And also I just want to add like, right when we first, when we were about to just make it official, like as far as dating, I remember one of the things I said to you, I said, look, because I had just got out of a very terrible, but it opened my mind to other possibilities and relationships. I had just got out of a short-term relationship that was supposed to be an open relationship. It was just done in a very toxic way. But the idea Mm. of it, I thought was amazing you know and i got to yeah. <laughs> i got to meet more uh people who weren't just into traditional like monogamous relationships so when i just that idea that um when i first started dating cube i was like look i just want you to know um th- do you want monogamy here do you want it open it's whatever it is you gotta establish it now also whatever we choose just know i don't i, I can't have nobody trying to control my every movement that's not how i do relationships i'm all about mm-hmm. just laying it on the table um, so I think, you know, we came up with our own, you know, system of relationship, but we definitely established like this idea of, I'm not here to control you. I don't think relationships mm. are about control. Yeah. And, um, that's super important for us. Uh, cause I've been there plenty of times before. Yeah, definitely. I love that. So did you guys have any misconceptions about marriage? Like before getting into that type of commitment or, or partnership, um, or alternatively, do you have any perspectives from within that institution or partnership um, that like you're surprised by? Yeah. Everybody said, don't date a poet. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm having a good time. There's <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, like, don't do it. You're going to write poems about you. They're going to battle rap you and stuff. And I'm like, I think you probably shouldn't date anybody. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe the poet just sees a little bit more than yeah, you want yeah, them to yeah. but i don't know um <laughs> I, and that was the misconception i have everybody's like, don't do it don't date a poet it's gonna be crazy but i'm like in the uh, adverse end it's like i can't date a civilian who like doesn't understand <laughs> you know like what I'm like, like why i'm staring out the window at this tree for 20 minutes or something um <laughs> but i mean i think like the misconceptions uh, of marriage I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of like stereotypical things where it's like, oh, you do this thing because you're in this role or you do this thing because you're in this role. And Mm. I don't think that's ever been us, you know, it's always been like, clearly you make, you know, omelets better than me. And then like, clearly I can whip up some spaghetti, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, various things like that. But, uh, I think like there was a lot of misconceptions of just like, who's supposed to be playing what role or what a partnership looks like. Um, yeah. And I think we've always just kind of approached it in our own way. I don't think, I think to a lot of those things, we probably do probably conform pretty well because it's just, you know, the, the, where we are in our relationship. But I think Mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of it too, it's just been, we're a very interesting couple. And I think, I think, um, I think some of the things that have like worked well is just like finding those ways to just be like subtly sweet to each other without mm-hmm. like mm. it being a thing, you know, without it being like, Oh, today's the day where you're going to be I'm gonna bring you this. Like, it's not like, <laughs> is that your romance? Is that your romance yeah, like voice? 
Yes. I was really That's into it. That's what I get in my romance book. I'm in love with you, girl. Like, you want flowers? Like, I don't know why. That's me. It's like, I'm really sweet, but I'm, I have a sleazy and a monologue. I don't know. Um, but Alicia buys me flowers all the time. Aww. And I think that Aww. that's really nice. And, you know, just looks out for me in different ways. Like, I, I think, like, uh, like, we'll give each other our, our one-a-day vitamin. Which I think is Aww. like a really sweet, like married couple thing. Like she gives me my vitamin, I give her hers. It's so always forgetting. But um, no, honestly, I mean, there's a lot of different ways. But what do you think? It's I've heard it's so many misconceptions I've had of just long term relationships and marriage. Um, some of it was this idea that like I don't know, you kind of lose the friendship in it, and it just becomes this this business kind of partnership and i'm wow, like that's yeah. me i don't want that you know i think that happens a lot in like the the movies or television we watch and media it's just this i don't know it's like the idea of marriage and long-term commitment at one i'm not even just long-term commitment but marriage was scary for me because it was just the way it was presented in like television and media and stuff um and it was mostly um i think just like hetero relationships because yes. before matthew I, you know i mostly dated women I wasn't that afraid of women. I know women can be like, we were super clingy a lot. That's another, thing, you know, and that's one thing. But as far as like being with a guy, um, I just didn't have a lot of practice with that, especially in my adulthood. But outside of that, it's just, I didn't want, I was afraid of becoming, I'm a little hesitant to say it, but I want to be honest. I was afraid of becoming a stereotype. Mm. Um, that's not what stopped me from dating men. But when I started getting serious with this one here, I'm like, okay, um, I don't want to have to now and now it's like, oh, let's have a, a long conversation about like, you know, what your role is going to be. And now I have right. to cook first and all that. And then I think one of the reasons why I know one of the reasons why I stuck with Matthews, because I know that wasn't the case. Like I kind of figured that wouldn't be the case on like the first day we started dating, but I still was hesitant and I was still yeah. scared. I didn't want to be put into this box, you know. Um, I don't like boxes. So yeah. uh yeah, those I those stereotypes is what mostly scared me. These gender roles that are supposed to come with marriage and relationships, mm. I did not want that. And I think naturally, I can be very, I'm very much a caretaker. I very much, you know, all those things. But um, there are plenty of times he'll cook dinner seven days a week sometimes because I don't like <laughs> cooking. I don't enjoy cooking. I can, yeah. I can if I try. But the fact that he will. I don't know. I last, actually like cooking. The last few weeks, you ain't been cooking, but I mean, really? that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna put me on a podcast? You gonna immortalize yeah, me? The last few weeks, I've been slacking. I've been stepping yeah. up my game. I've been stepping up my game. But it's, it's really, it's just, yeah, it's we just we bounce off each other and we'll have conversations about that. Like you, you know, I've been washing the the dishes more lately. Can you <laughs> can you try washing them tonight? And then we'll be like, neither one of us feel like it, so we'll just like, oh, get it in the morning. You know, we're just yeah. yeah I just mm. I love the fact that we. We don't have those. It's not like it's not binary. It's not like this idea of like, you know, we have to do this or that or, you know, it's just. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think part of it, too, is like, you know, in the beginning of the relationship, you know, we were together for so long and everybody, all, our family is all like, so when are you guys going to get married? And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> this is how they yeah, like out it out of my head is these motherfuckers. Like, when are you going to get married? You going to get married? You going to get married, don't you? Yeah. And I'm like, I guess, like, what the fuck? Are y'all going to fucking give me some, I don't, I don't, you know, it was just felt like weird. Like there's, you're dating for a long time. So now you get married, you married, you got to buy a house. Now you got a house, you got to get some kids. Now you got these kids, you got to have another kid. And it's, it's like, very, it's um, an assumed track. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sure. that hasn't 
that hasn't been the vibe. You know, we're living in LA, we're living away from our family and, you know, we want to have children, but there hasn't been the, the, the pull to just be like, let's just make a bunch of kids. And then also, you know, we're just thinking of like the, just the world we're in right now and just like how mm. wild it is. And, and then of course there's all kinds of crazy shit that comes with having children, which when you're not married, you think like, Oh man, kid, I want to just pop up on a bush out me, man. This kid, I got to watch out when you're not married. And then also you're married. You're like, where's this kid, man? Where's this kid at? I've been hiding from my whole life. These so voices. The voices are really great. <laughs> Yeah, this is literally my internal dialogue in my head all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just noticing that people are in our like. I know, <laughs> I'm just thinking of our family and friends hearing this, but it, whatever. Um, it's just the the way they just become part of your business when you're married. It's just like even Matthew and I, we, you know, we don't have children of our own, but we have a lot of kids of ours. Yeah. You know, our students, yeah. you know, call us parents all the time. I'm sure a lot of people can relate if you're artists or whatever. Students will definitely cling on, call you mom and dad or whatever. Um, and we've had students who have stayed with us. We have friends who have stayed with us. Um, we're getting older now, so that might not be the case, you know, like going forth that much. But um, our home has been open. Again, it has been a safe space. It has been a space where people have stayed with us for over a year. And there's been times where family or whatever is like, well, you're married. You sure? That could be a lot on your relationship. And yeah. I'm like, look, I do appreciate advice sometimes. I think if you love someone, it's cool to be like, hey, this is what I feel. But if I told you the first or second time that it's working and we cool and this is how we love, <laughs> I need you to listen to it because this mm. is how we love and it works for us. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm I was so like I said at the beginning, of the episode, I was like really excited to interview you two as a married couple, particularly because like I know your hearts and your spirits. And I think it's important, you know, especially as like a member of the relationship help slash self-help world to remind people that marriage is, although it is this heteronormative sexist institution with all this bizarre history and implications and stigmas that come with it, that marriage and partnership truly can look however you want it to look, just like your mm. mar your wedding could look However you want it to look, you know, um, that there's all these traditions that we think are necessary that 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 do the pressures of those traditions can end up really souring a wedding or a marriage. Um, but I'm so grateful to talk to you, too, as two people who are being innovative and curious and creative in what your marriage looks like in the day to day. So thanks. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering 
partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Another reason uh, we wanted to talk to you today um, was with your personal experience with grief and loss. And I guess I'll put a quick trigger warning just about grief and loss for our listeners. Um, We know that this challenges a lot of our listeners because of the letters that we get um, about folks who are either processing grief or who are supporting a partner who is going through grieving. Um, And I know uh, Matthew, if you're comfortable um, telling us a little bit more about your personal experience with grief and loss. Yeah, you know, honestly, this is like really, really dope. And I I really hope a lot of people listen to this podcast uh, specifically because, I mean, like grief, uh, especially like when you lose someone, it, uh, somebody really, really close to you, it like fundamentally changes you. Like you can become a completely different person because you see the world in a different way. At least I'm speaking for myself. Like um, I felt like I fundamentally changed like on a cellular level. Yeah. Like I'm still the same and there's a lot of things that are still the same, but like there's so 
many other little things that have just completely changed me. Just like the way I hear songs, the way I listen, the way I intake media, right? The way I interact with people, it's like fundamentally changed. And it was hard. I mean, it was, it's been a hard, hard process. And I think, you know, like, honestly, like, thank God for you for, thank God for Alicia. Cause I don't, I know I wouldn't have, made it through in the mm. way that I did without your support. Um, but in saying that, like uh, one of the big things that I've tried to be very conscious of uh, and that I've like really learned and practiced throughout this process of losing my mother, which I lost my mother now in 2017, March uh, of 2017. So it's been, you know, it's like almost like five years now. Um, and it's, it's fucked up. Cause like I, I watch, I watch Avengers and I'll be like, man, like Thanos snapped them fools away like five years ago. And like, you know, then they came mm -hmm. back and I think about, I think about like five years and like how, mm -hmm. how much of a different person I am in five years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think about like vicarious trauma. I think about secondary trauma. I think about how a lot of times like that secondary trauma can be worse than the actual trauma because, you know, I can heal through the process of me losing my mother. I can do certain things that are healthy for myself that can heal through that process. But if I am, you know, a wreck throughout this thing and mm -hmm. I'm just like really like destroying myself through that process, like that can be worse for my wife than the actual loss of me experiencing that worst mother. Cause she can never heal from that. She wow. can't ever heal from seeing me go through what I'm going through. Right. And I, I really try to be like super conscious of that. And I, you know, I think when you're grieving, you have this moment where you're like, okay, the world owes me right now. Mm -hmm. And I am, I am totally in my right to just be a hot mess and just fall apart in whatever way possible. And it doesn't matter if I need to break shit, I'll break shit. If I need to do like, be just a fucking tear, I, I'll do all that. And nah, <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, 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 yeah, totally. You can do what you want. And if that is something for you and, and I've totally had those moments but it's um, it really was a conscious effort in myself to be like, that's not cool. Like that is, I can't just dump onto this person and expect mm. them to be okay. I wow. can't, they can't, mm -hmm. I can't use this person that hard as a crutch. And like, not to say that you didn't help me. Cause like I just said, you, I, you fundamentally just there, just being there, um, you know, is, is monumental. Like, I mean, like, Man, it's kind of like it's kind of intense and kind of wild, but it's like when my mother passed, it was like the middle of the night um, over here. Um, it was like maybe like three or four in the morning, and we had just woke up middle of the night. We were we were wide awake, just talking to each other for like five or ten minutes, just middle of the night. I mean, we don't we don't do that. We're asleep, you know what I mean? And just a few minutes later, I get the call, and I like check my phone and realize like my mom had like left me a voicemail. And like, so I immediately played it and just like, it, it wasn't, it was devastating. And I'm yeah. thinking about like that specific moment and like, you didn't do anything but like sit across the table from me. Um, but I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I'd have made it out of that moment yeah. without you being just there across the table from me. So yeah, I think, I think one of the biggest things, man, is just like, you can't, you can't though, like you're being changed fundamentally. You're being ripped apart. You're in the worst, maybe emotional state you've been in. Um, you can't, you can't, 
it's not up to your partner to heal you. You have mm. to work on that yourself. You have to find ways to get yourself through that process because you can totally be a person in the middle of the ocean drowning and then pull someone down to drown with you. Mm. And that shit will just, dest- it'll destroy your relationship. It'll, mm-hmm. then you find, then, then you tend to, Oh, you didn't help me when I was in this, or you weren't there right. for me the way you needed, or you weren't there for you the way you needed, you know? Um, and yeah, I think the, the biggest thing was just understanding, like, I need to find a healthier way to tra- to, to navigate through this trauma because it's going to destroy me and destroy the people I love and probably destroy the people I love before it ends up destroying me anyway. And then it's just mm-hmm. going to be terrible. So yeah, it was work. It's a conscious effort. It's a conscious effort to say like, nah, uh, we're not doing that today. Nah, this is not a healthy thing. No, mm-hmm. I do just need to sit here. Or I need to just sit in bed or I need to just play call of duty for 12 hours or like whatever it mm-hmm. is. Right. <laughs> um, you find that healing thing and you find it healthy and you communicate, like you communicate, you, you, you have, you have to communicate or that depression, that, that PTSD that you're dealing with is just going to fester and, and become so much worse. Mm-hmm. This isn't like a help all thing. Like it's not a one all fix, but these are some of the things that like I've kind of found the language for in this past like five years. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I feel like I went on a super tangent. That was no, the that was most wonderful. important tangent it wasn't a tangent either it was like very on topic yeah well and alicia i'm curious what it was like for you in that situation too right we you know obviously cuban was trying to spare you from some of the the ramifications of it but grieving in partnership with someone is really really challenging so what was that like for you in supporting him uh so I'm someone who deals with like anxiety quite often. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to something, when a big situation happens, whatever that is, I feel like I, I kick into that caretaker. Like the anxiety kind of feels like it goes away and I, I know right mm-hmm. what to do. And with Matthew, mm-hmm. of course, it was in full gear. And I'll never forget that day. And um, I just dropped everything and my attention was all on him. Um, I don't think I had the, I don't, I don't want to say room, but I wasn't, what I was dealing with right there was thinking about how can I be there for him? So I didn't really, I, I was sad. I, I grieved later, but at that mm. moment I didn't make space for myself to mm. grieve because I, and it wasn't on purpose. It's not like I thought about that out loud. It's not like I said, Oh, you can't cry. I just knew that I wanted to be there for him and something about grieving in that moment. I think I didn't want to take away from what that space mm. he needed. Anyway, I think I'm processing too much because I didn't even process it like that at the time. Mm, I was just like, sure. I need yeah. to be here for Matthew and whatever that takes, whatever that looks like, that's what it's going to be. I had like a, my my book at the time was coming out and all that just like went, it went like on the back burner for the most part. Like we just, we got plane tickets last minute, went to Florida we ain't care. It's like, he was like, oh, this costs, we ain't care how much it costs. Like, let's just mm-hmm. go. Let me be there for you. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just all about just being that support system. But as you know, as time goes on, of course, you know, Matthew talked about how sometimes you might take that grief, take that process and out on other people, um, how it may show up in interesting ways. So I still had to find that balance of like, look, I love you. I love you a lot. And now I'm grieving. <laughs> you see, I'm sad too. And we're going through mm-hmm. this. Um, but also I need to also establish like my, my boundaries still matter. Um, 
they're changing shape a little bit, but they still matter. Um, and, you know, we still have to focus on us as a relationship. It can't just mean that you can bring any type of energy. And, you know, we had some some moments with dealing with that grief. But overall, I I think, yeah, I think we handled it OK. I learned so much more about Matthew mm. through this process. It's been five years. Um, I know he's still going through <laughs> it. I know he's still processing, still grieving. I don't think that stops. Um, but the way he's climbed, I'm not going to say out, but the way he's been working through it, I'm just learning so much about him. I think we're learning a lot about each other. Um, when it comes back up, I know how to be there. I also, I learned how to give him a space. Again, we just yeah. learned how it, our home, you know, when we first moved to Los Angeles, our home was like super small. So we've learned You've how to seen interact. You've here. It was yeah. a freaking room. <laughs> yeah, yo. the fridge was on the porch. I the fridge that. was on the porch. <laughs> exactly. And our space is much bigger now, but it's still the thing that makes it look bigger than what it is because we have high ceilings. Other than that, it's still like I can run into him at any moment. It's really, <laughs> sure. you know, yeah. so establishing boundaries in his space is still, you know, giving each other space when I know he needs that. And also I... I had to learn how to be there a little bit more. And that was that ha- didn't have to be forced. You know, I just I I I think the the only flaw within me and maybe you disagree or agree is that sometimes I could be a little bit too extra because I care so much. I'm like, are you sure you're OK? Yeah. You know, like and I never want to bother anybody because I, I know I hate being asked if I'm OK over and over. Mm-hmm. But when I care for someone, I will ask them that so much. And in my head, I'm like, OK, shut up. They told you, yeah. you're fine, you know, but mm-hmm. I think that may have been maybe one of my my biggest challenge is not checking in too much. Um, and then at times where I'm like, okay, give him his space. In my head, I'm like, am I giving him too much space? Maybe I should go over there and, you know, hug him or something mm. or be there. So just trying to find that balance of um, being there and uh, quote unquote, not being there, I guess. Um, but I, I think, I think we, I think it was good overall. I think we worked through it for sure. For yeah, sure. Def- and I think it made us stronger for sure. Mm. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, we're definitely, you know, working through it. And I, I think, the biggest thing that I was, well, I keep saying the biggest, everything's the biggest, but I think one of the things for me was like, I really, you know, you have to allow your, your partner time to grieve as well. Even if it's not as close to home for them, you know, Mm -hmm. it's still, it's still massive. Right. And, and seeing you, a person they love, um, in a really, really rough space, um, it, it can be traumatic, you Mm -hmm. know, it can be really, really devastating. Um, you know, like I remember I, like, and, and it's simple things, but like, just like the act of someone crying, that wailing sound or whatever it is, like it can be, it has a lasting imprint and, um, mm-hmm. you don't want to be the thing that they're grieving, right? If they're grieving that process with you, allow them to grieve as well. Like, and I, I felt bad, you know, throughout the early months of this. Cause I was like, man, like, you know, she, there would be times where like Alicia would go run away to cry um Mm. because she didn't want to see she didn't want me to see her sad and then me trigger and remind myself that i was sad like i forgot Mm. um but but, you know like it's it's um (laughs) it's it's one of those things like you know um and and you start understanding like the the very very like small things that'll go into somewhere else and we'll be watching a tv show she'll be like is this okay and yeah yeah no Mm. this is cool Mm. and she'll catch things sometimes before i even catch and be like oh shit no this isn't okay actually thank you Mm. um you know um but i think like that was a like your your partner's grieving too and and uh you know i was telling like my dad this a lot when my mother passed and we were like you know 
could have been worse. You know, there's people die uh, a house fire, or it could have been natural event, or it could have been could have been terrible, could have been blah blah blah. And he's like, yeah, it could it could be worse. It could be a lot of things. But you know, uh, uh, some people's pain is all kinds of things. But this pain is mine right now. Mm. What I'm going, and you know. It doesn't matter if if her pain was different. She was also going through pain. And throughout that time, she didn't have a partner to support her. Mm. You know, she was the partner supporting her partner. And granted, like, yeah, like it was my mother. right? But, you know, I still think about that. And I still think about like the support that we need to offer. And I, you know, I remember like, you know, really in a rough, rough part, like the first year of losing my mom and just kind of like, you know, like almost snapping at a moment on anything um, and it not being cool, like at all, like not being cool, even in the slightest. Like it was it was overly aggressive just in my space, in my energy around me. Um, mm. I was angry and none of that was towards Alicia at all. But being around it, like it's palpable. And just like we feel each other when you're mad, as I'm mad at something, it's like, when you're just mad, like you don't want you don't want your partner to feel, you know, scared of you or intimidated of you because mm-hmm. you're angry at what happened. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I just think like there's a million different areas in that of that grieving process where you're just like your partner is doing the best they can to help you. Wow. They might not even know how, but like literally them being there is the best they can do. And yeah. I, I also spent a lot of time telling you, uh, telling Matthew, um, not to apologize for his grief because <clears throat> there was times, you know, that even if it was like a year or two later, he would just randomly, you know, get not randomly, but yeah, uh, just get sad. Maybe I didn't expect it or have a time where he was crying or whatever. And he'll tell me, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, don't apologize for that. You know, um, mm. I think a lot of that happened as well. It's just like, you don't have to apologize for that. So we just had to learn how to make space for each other when it came to processing our emotions. Um, and again, it involved a lot of honest conversation. And sometimes mm. it just involves silence and just like, mm. let's just stay here in this feeling. You know, we don't always have to try to talk it out. Let's just let it let us feel what we feel right now and we'll process it later. Yeah. There's times now where we, we communicate without even talking. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> you just take a deep like I yeah. will just be watching so I'll just take a deep breath, you know, and it's just like my hand on my, you know, on my knee or something. And, you know, that's, that's enough for that mm-hmm. moment. But, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I could go on. <laughs> yeah. In addition to my dad passing away a few years ago, my mother-in-law also died last year, very unexpectedly too. And so like having been on sort of both sides of this partnership of supporting somebody who's grieving and being the, the person who's grieving. Um, one of the more surprising things for me was that it was actually much harder to be the spouse of the person who's grieving than it was to be the person who was grieving because it was like the grief when my dad died was so clear, right? It was like, this is mine. Like I can have this because he's my dad. Right. And then when Peter's mom died, it was like the rules were so unclear. It was like, what am I supposed to do in this situation? How am I supposed to be feeling how can I be supportive and who's going to support me? Right. Like it was like, suddenly everything was really topsy turvy. So, um, I'm curious for you two as well. Like what were some of the surprising things for you in this grief? What, what was unexpected, right? Cause you don't really know what it's like until you go through it. So what, what surprised you about, about the process of grieving? I'll say, I'm, I'm sure it's more than this. I'll think about it. But one of the things was the, 
the friends and community that contacted me. <laughs> it was like, are mm. you okay? There's also friends of Matthew, a lot of them, but I didn't expect anyone to reach out to me. I don't know why I just didn't. I, again, I, everything, my heart, my mind, everything was on like, how do I make sure Matthew and his family is okay? You know? Um, so when I have friends reaching out, like, cause I literally, I didn't know what to do. I didn't. And some people were just offering advice that I didn't even know. I don't even know if I asked for, but I, I <laughs> needed it. <laughs> they were just mm-hmm. like, if you need to know how to be there for Matthew, I've dealt with this before. Let me know if you're ready to talk. And God knows I wanted that advice. I wanted to talk, but I wasn't ready because I was stopping myself from grieving at that moment. And I was like, as soon mm. as I start talking about it, I'm yeah. just going to be like a flood of tears. So I'll text someone back or ignore their call and be like, okay, I'll hit you up later. Thank you so much. And then I'm just, I was already getting emotional, just texting them back. And I'm like, no, I'm not ready. And then a year went by or a month went by, then a year. And I'm like, I never contacted that person back. I Mm. hope they don't. I'm thinking about everybody else in this situation. I hope they don't take it personal. I just want to read it from Matthew. And I didn't realize how much I was going to be rejecting so much. And I just, I I didn't, I I don't know. I wasn't ready for anything. I've never been there before. Um, Mm. So yeah, that was the biggest surprise for me, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I think, you know, you got those stages of grief and I think every single one of them was like a surprise. Like my mom was, (laughs) um, was like terminally sick, you know, for like my whole life. Uh, Mm -hmm. She was sick for like 20 years. Um, And throughout my whole life, there was like, oh, your mom might pass. She might pass. And so, you know, leading up to her passing, you know, we all knew she was sick, but I think there was like the stage of denial that was happening. And then, and like, even my brother and sister and I, we were just thinking like, maybe we won't even like cry when she goes because, We've been expecting it for so long. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're not prepared at all for that. And um, <laughs> I think there was just so many, like, uh, like, a lot of surpri- like a lot of surprises came up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I never saw my father cry, period, in my life mm-hmm. until my mother died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, like, he, like couldn't stop crying mm-hmm. um, naturally. And, you know, so there were so many moments in this where i felt myself being strong for family members where i felt myself like man maybe i got a grip of this and then i would slide back to like you know you know (laughs) back to one you know Mm -hmm. um and it was just be many things like that but i think um honestly i I just i feel like during that time it's like what you just said sam like you, you feel like it's you you it's me it's me it's me and i need this and i need this and and after like a certain period of time i was like man i this just feels selfish. Like it feels Mm. like not fair to my partner. Um, and you know, I think like the biggest surprises for me was that I felt like a good partner beforehand and like feeling like a year in, like, man, I, maybe I'm not being as good as I could be doing right now Mm. in my relationship. Mm. Like maybe I could be stepping up more. Maybe I could be processing this better. And that it being, some of the kindling, some of the fuel that was like, okay, well, we need to find healthy ways to process this. Mm. Um, and me kind of going in that direction because I'm, I'm, I would usually just be like, all right, let's, let's, let's double down on the depression. Let's double down on the, just getting (laughs) fucked up. Like let's do that for a while. And I think it had a very like awakening effect for me. It had a very like, no, like everything is not promised. No, you don't have another day. Like no, like mm-hmm. this, like, you know, it, it just made everything very like real and very present and very like, you have to do this now because you have to work on this relationship because you have to do these things. 
and like realizing like how important things became, especially in this relationship where I'm like, yo, this was, this is, this is the woman who was there that your mother picked out a wedding dress for. Mm. Like, this isn't just anybody, you know, Mm -hmm. she's wearing a wedding ring your mother picked out, like, you know, um, and, and things like that. Like it just, uh, yeah, there was, I feel like I'm constantly surprised about this mm-hmm. grieving process. Like I, I think about For it sure. five years removed from it now and I'm still surprised by it. Like it's, it'll still just completely set me back to one some days, wow. you know, um, as it does. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, I think this is the, it, it keeps unraveling itself and probably always will, um, <laughs> sure. until yeah. I'm done, you know, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So with that constant surprise in mind and this sort of commitment to finding those healthier, more sustainable ways that you two both have, you know, expressed that you're doing um, during, you know, the past five years and more specifically now, how have you been making space for and fostering joy in your life, both in your relationship and independently in your in your heart i guess for like for yourself mm. random dance breaks that's that's <laughs> real it. i love it oh my god it's true <laughs> I, I think we're tr- we try to get innovative every day like i actually i suggested that right i was like i was like we should just take like a moment out of our day to just have a random dance break you know like we <laughs> um just to why not it's fun i guess you can call it exercise and it's just it's good and it's healthy there's for real us. endorphins it, i swear it is. for sure absolutely <laughs> yeah you know so sometimes we'll just like turn on a song and just have like just dance throughout the song i'm like you can't stop dancing matthew will stop like maybe like two minutes into the song like keep going it's like all right you know like little things <laughs> like that um just you know the the smallest things like let's just take a walk to the the chocolate uh spot we have like a little chocolate shop up the street which is so cute i never grew up next to things <laughs> like that <a> chocolate <laughs> shop <laughs> but it's really cute it's like owned by like um brown folk and it's like we get to know the people there and we're establishing like a connection with them it's like finding mm. the, the the so-called small things and making them a big part of our lives and mm. announcing it saying hey that's our shop right there that's our favorite place to go let's let's uh remember we went to this place let's go back to go back there again we're very intentional on like finding our joy and naming it and then return into it when it makes sense or recreate in new ways to step into other places of joy. But um, I don't know if you had anything else. Yeah, how do we find <laughs> our joy? I mean, like, oh, it's, it's like, there's so many answers to it. I mean, one of them is like, like fuck depression, you know, like <laughs> I, 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 I really look at like my personal depression as like a white supremacist in my head, like just doing <laughs> horrible shit to me 24 7 i'm like yeah, fuck that nah bro like you're so dumb like i don't yeah. like you like get out of <laughs> here um but like you know like really just not giving those moments um mm-hmm. to like to, to eat us up um and being honest when we're there like mm-hmm. yo i'm, I'm mm-hmm. a little out of it today or like how are you feeling yeah. or like where are we at or like what can we do you know to work on that for me and i think for alicia as well a lot of it was just like pouring ourselves into our work. I feel super fortunate that I was able to navigate this grief with all of the tools I have, whether it be poetry, whether it be my, my, my literal job (laughs) every Tuesday is to meditate and write a poem for two hours. (laughs) Um, it's like literally what I get paid to do. Like that process is wildly helpful. 
Um, mm. and like having a person I could, I can bounce these things off of with has been phenomenal. Like, um, you know, my whole, my whole first book was dedicated to my mother's passing and Alicia was my editor, you know, um, and like really tying those into just a project that we could have something that we could say, okay, this is, this is ours. This is what we're creating. This is what we're doing. Um, we pour that into our youth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about like the kids that we work with and, you know, a lot of our work, like we were saying before, is working with like incarcerated young people. And I'm like, man, like you're incarcerated and losing family members and by yourself right now. And you're a child and you're a young person, mm-hmm. you know, like I, God, I can't imagine being there with, with where I am now. I couldn't put me there 34 years old in a 17 year old's situation where they're going through that. No way, no way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, 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 maybe that's part of like my mother's empathic nature, but I'm just like, I don't want other people to have to do that by themselves. Mm. I didn't have to do it by myself. I couldn't have done it by myself. Mm. It it was Alicia a big part, but it was also my community. It was my craft. It was, you know, people who have been through that before that found, okay, well this worked for me or this one thing worked for me Mm. and none of them work. Right. But all (laughs) of them work, uh, at the same time, you know, so it's, it's, um, for us, it's been like, a conscious effort that joy needs to be there because mm-hmm. joy is always there trying to be there. For and sure. we, we make conscious efforts to not have joy, right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes having joy feels bad. You feel guilty. You feel, especially during that grieving process, you're like, I don't right. deserve this joy because this is my narrative. Mm, little my, monologue, voice. monologue voice again. <laughs> I don't deserve that joy. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's true. And you're just like, I guess not today. I'm just going to kick myself in the nuts again. And like, you know, that's, you can't, you can't survive off that. It's not sustainable. No. It's just not sustainable. And, 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 and sometimes we think, well, it's just in this moment, but those moments become a day and those days become a week and that week becomes a month and that month becomes you forever. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, and, and maybe wow, not forever Matthew. because you can always fundamentally shift mm-hmm. it, but like, man, like, I don't want to give you a fucking second and, and wow. you get it. They're going to get that second regardless. You're going to get that. Sam, and you know this shit too, dog. Like, you get that moment. Like, uh, what do I? Two minutes before I fall asleep. Let me think of something nice. Oh, my mom now. Okay, cool <laughs> word. That's what's up. Yeah. Thanks, brain. Yeah. Like, for sure. You know, and it's those those hard moments. Like, you can you can spend the whole day good, and you have a moment, a second, thirty seconds before you're about to just fucking fall asleep, and it wrecks you. Um, mm-hmm. and it's and it's devastating, but you know, there are ways to fight against that shit and Mm -hmm. it's work, but it's work that you get to do that you get to claim that you did not the Mm -hmm. depression, not the job that's paying you, not the, not the partner that needs you not to grieve at this moment, not the child Mm -hmm. who doesn't need to see you crying right right now. Mm -hmm. It's you and you deserve to have those moments, no matter what your brain tries to fight you with. Yeah, we've given sure. each other like a lot of permission to be ourselves, be who we are. We, we're not trying to, you know, of course you learn and you grow and things change, you know, individually and t- together, collectively when you're in a relationship. But um, that goes a lot for joy. You know, we are both big kids. We are growing older together. We're, we're yeah. planning to grow old together. But Matthew and I are both very silly. I think y'all already know, obviously, silly. A lot of people don't know how silly I am till they get to know me, but I'm, I'm goofy. I'm super goofy. And we both are. And we love to just like 
we just make random jokes, just walking up the steps into our apartment building today. He's just making all types of random jokes and sounds. He does this voiceover work all the time. Um, <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, all right, Matthew, you just made the same joke like five times today, but it's so appreciated. And I still like, it's just great. We're just, we're, we're, we're so childlike and we, it's okay. Like we're, a lot of spaces or, you know, sometimes I've been in relationships where I feel like I don't have permission to be who I am. I want to, mm. you know, people have an idea of who you are before they, they officially meet you. And I think for me, a lot of people, it's like, oh, you're Alicia, you're the serious black woman, feminist, whatever stereotypes people have. And, you know, when I show up in a different way, I'm like, well, I'm also silly. I also like love to laugh when someone farts or, you know, just like goofy, <laughs> immature stuff. It's like, somebody's idea or, you know, of you changes and they can, they can judge you off that. And with Matthew, I just really feel like, oh, I can be me. I can yeah. be Alicia. And we do have moments where, you know, we have to discuss that more and remind each other, like, make sure you give them permission to be myself fully, mm. but at least we can also have that conversation when, when we, you know, when we bump heads a little bit, you know, it's like, wait, this is who I am. Again, it doesn't excuse any toxic behavior or stuff like that, of course. But overall, just allowing ourselves to be and to make sure joy is a part of that, too. Mm. I love that. Amazing. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Before we get into our last like couple wrap up questions that we ask everyone, I just want to like thank you both for the vulnerability of this. And um, and also like when you guys were talking about like how you find joy, I was so struck with like who you are as people in the community, the work that you do, you know, like I am vaguely a part of the poetry community now, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that like um, you two really are beacons of joy for so many people. I know you are for your students, for your babies, for the people who um, look to you for how to move through life. And so I'm just so grateful that um, for this conversation, for this bravery and vulnerability, um, because I've seen you do this in classroom and in community, and I'm so excited to share it with our listeners. So thanks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like a very Amazing. profound um, experience because or conversation because of what you guys shared. So thank you. Thank you for giving us the space to talk about it. And like, um, my mother's name was Ivana, right? And whenever we talk about people that pass, I always feel like it's super important to say their names uh, if you feel comfortable saying their name. Um, but my mother's name was Ivana. And, you know, um, wait, also backtrack. Sierra, you're totally on like the Mount Rushmore of I poetry. Know, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, I'm like, what am I, like, two time back to back national like, it's, been, it's been 
several years since I've performed or been in that space, which is not an important part of this conversation. Please continue. I was going to suggest, I was going to request that we dedicate this episode to your mother. So I'd love for you to speak her name into the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, I would be, uh, I couldn't mention my mother's name without, uh, inviting Sam to uh, mention your father, if you feel comfortable saying that. I just feel like it's important yeah. to say those names, you know? For sure, um, yeah. His name was Jeff. Hell yeah, Jeff. That's right, <laughs> man. Hell yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I, I I love those moments to be able to speak about my mom. And honestly, like, the last five years, it's like, anybody who's been around me, that's like all I've been talking about. Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I thank you for this space to be able to talk about it, because I don't always get a chance to, like, go into like things that I kind of are a little, you know, are a little draining, a little sad sometimes, you know, and, and and we do it every Monday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. I I also want to point out, you know, yeah, like I lost my mother and there's a huge moment in my life, but you know, like, um, we've both lost so many people within this, with even within this five year time, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it be like friends of ours that we've lost, students that we've grieved literally together family um it's been a it's you know we've we've been there for each other in various ways that was like the freaking you know high moment of it but i mean um that i think it, it informs every other process and i've had moments where i've been able to be supportive to alicia and be there for her in ways that she was there for me and vice versa in other capacities. So, um, yeah, that, that, you know, it's, it's never just a singular moment sometimes like that grieving process. It, it lasts and it's not even like six steps or anything like that. Like it's, it's beyond those things and it comes in different ways and it'll come if you smell a fragrance, the, you know, the right fragrance will hit your nose and send you down Mm -hmm. a path you know, um, a melody or whatever. And, you know, I just think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a process and it is work, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's good work. Yeah. Yes, it is. Awesome. So these are three questions that we ask everybody, um, who comes on to these conversations with us. So the first one is what relationship advice did you used to believe that you no longer, uh, put stock in? Go. <laughs> Uh, I'll go with the first thing on the top of my head. When I was very, very young, I used to believe that you were supposed to know every single thing about your partner's moves, like where they are. If you go to the corner store to get candy, I better know you walk into the corner store to get candy. I better know who you with, (laughs) how much candy you bought. It just, it it was so much about like, again, ownership and control that was being taught to me very, very, very young. And um, I grew out of that, not quickly, but soon enough yeah sure sure it's a journey <laughs> yeah it's definitely a you get all the good ones um <laughs> one thing i used to believe i'm like I, did i ever believe anything um what <laughs> one thing i used to i don't know i don't know nothing about relationships one thing i used to believe um i don't know i guess i used to believe that you'd get tired of a person after a long mm. and you had to reinvent why you like this person mm. sure like, sure I don't think so. Like, you know, we're almost 10 years in, in this together. And I'm like, I still like you a whole lot. Thank you. Know? you. <laughs> yeah. Aww. I think, yeah, I think, 
Yeah, it used to be like you're gonna get tired of each other. You're you're not gonna come laugh and <laughs> the voice is a lot. It's all Florida. <laughs> we ask each other that though occasionally. It's like you're not tired of me, right? And it's like jokingly, yeah. but it's almost, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Still it's a pretty human, you know. You get of tired course. of people sometimes. You see them For every sure. day. I never <laughs> ask if you're tired of me because <laughs> I know you're not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I actually know the moments when you are specifically tired of me. And I just, <laughs> yeah. Like, That's ah, real. there it is. All right. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. take a break and put For myself sure. on time out. <laughs> yep. All right. So every episode on the primary feed, we like to do something we call a blind date where we shout out something that we love that we want to set up our listeners with. And this week, we're going to ask you guys to do a blind date. So your blind date is. <laughs> you go. Why me first? Because you're killing it. I don't have anything clever to talk about. I'm like Call of Duty. No, Um, it can be Call of Duty. We've done done video games. We've done video games. TV shows. We've also done like anything. Anything that helps you nerd out. I love nerd out. Like so. Okay, I don't even want to get too detailed because it's not a great answer. It's just the first thing on top of my head is alien documentaries. Mm. I (laughs) love documentaries. You are are talking to the right people. Yeah, for sure. Our producer Spencer ha- ran like a, a podcast called w- the What If podcast for three years, and it was all about like paranormal things and whatnot. Oh my so, god! Yeah, and we Spencer and I originally bonded over our love of X Files. So you are talking to the Come right on. people. Exactly. <laughs> if we can talk about the unknown. If we can talk about things beyond this place. If we could watch alien documentaries, which Matthew doesn't watch with me all the time, but he definitely will sit down and watch some of it and he'll listen to me rant for like an hour about what I think about aliens. That's good enough That's for me. That's true love. I don't right need there. to watch the <laughs> documentaries. I already know they're there. No, one time I thought I saw a spaceship outside the window and he got so freaked out and I thought it was adorable. I said, oh, that's why he won't watch it. He's oh, a man. little nervous. Because oh. I was like, that's a star, dog. And she's like, that's not a star. And I was like, that's not a star. I was like, that's just a helicopter. She's like, it's not a helicopter. And I was like, whatever. I'm going to check in 30 minutes. If it's not there anymore, I'm going to freak out. And it was fucking gone. And it was terrifying. <laughs> um, all right, what to do? Blind date. Um, I want to say come, come right and meditate with us every Tuesday. Yeah, four to six. say it. Oh, that's yeah. great. I honestly like it? that. Yeah, that you can. Um, you can go to Street Poets Inc. You can go to their Instagram. There, uh, they promote it every week, but it's every Tuesday. It's on Zoom. Uh, it's four to six. Super cash. Super cash. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> come chill. Leave your camera off. Um, but honestly, it's it's was just a great place. We set intentions. For like our lives or our week mm-hmm. or our day, um, we put rocks in it. It's just really, it's a really, really wonderful amazing. place. Um, and I would say, come, come hang out. You could also like find me in Verdansk in the war zone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just quick note: Spencer typed into the chat, "Bro, how do you love weed and not watch alien documentaries?" Because <laughs> <laughs> I am an alien. <laughs> We're the aliens. We doll. can edit that all out. <laughs> No, we're the the aliens. I hope you know. Look, we're the only creature on this planet that just can't survive being (laughs) alive. We gotta have shelter and shit. We're not from here. We're from Mars, yo. Some animals have shelter, you know. Let's talk offline about this. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. I'll go on. I have a whole theory. Okay, our last question is. Where can people find you and how can they support you? Uh, they can find me at aliciawise.com. 
A-L-Y-E-S-H-A, Wise, W-I-S-E. Um, I am terrible at keeping my calendar up to date. I'll do better, <laughs> but I am really good at keeping the website up to date. So you can find out just what's happening with me in general. And um, you can find me anywhere at Alicia Wise. Hell yeah. You can find me uh, pretty much anywhere under Matthew Cuban. Uh, it's like Mark Cuban, but significantly less successful. <laughs> um, and- <laughs> Um, but, uh, you can find me Matthew Cuban under anything. Uh, but, but you know what, we've been talking about, uh, grief and we've been talking about my mom a lot. And I dropped two albums that Mm. you can stream on Spotify and both of them are named after my mother. Uh, and it's, they're not all like sad, actually. They're all like kind of just random. They're joy filled. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they're very, very joy filled. So I would love it if you, uh, listen to some of my music. I think you would enjoy it. Great albums. Yes. All right, y'all. I already thank you so much. Um, I should have said all my like sweet thank yous in this moment, but I'll reiterate a little like thank you so much for your bravery and your vulnerability and your friendship. It means a lot to me. And I'm so I feel so lucky to share you wonderful people with our listeners. Um, To our listeners, if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to stay tuned for more head and heart work conversations every two weeks on our primary feed. And if all else fails... Just break up. 